This is the Mailbox Money Podcast, and I am Bronson Hill. As a busy professional, I wrestled with how to grow my income without taking up more of my precious time. I learned that managing real estate, actively trading stocks, or being unable to scale up investments is not passive investing. This is the place where you'll discover new asset classes, develop investing skills, and learn from experts how to become financially free with less work than you thought possible. And now, get ready for truly passive income. So should you be active in your real estate investing or should you look into passive investing? This is something a lot of people are curious about. This is something that I did. I found active investing to be great, but it just took a lot of work. It was too active. And so I discovered passive investing, which involves basically doing work on the front end, vetting a team and vetting uh, a property, and then basically getting very similar returns of what I was able to get when I was actively investing. And so uh, we're going to talk about that today. And I've got an awesome guest who's been through this journey. Uh, Camilla Jeffs, uh, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing great, Bronson. Thanks for having me on. Oh, really excited to have you. So I want to hear a little bit of your story. I know this is something that you've kind of been through as well, where you've been very active and now you're really pursuing the passive side. Maybe can, you can just kind of start about how you got started and, and kind of how you found both active and then passive investing. Yeah. So I got started in real estate investing really out of necessity. Uh, I was, I was young, married and living in a garage apartment that was just as awesome as a garage apartment can be. <laughs> and, uh, and we were you know, paying our rent and our landlady would come around and, and I was asking her one day, I asked her, well, what do you, how do you buy properties? Like, how do you own a whole bunch of properties? I was curious about it. And, and as we were talking, she said, you know, what you could do is you could buy your own house. And I, and I immediately I was like, yeah, no, no, we don't have any money, right? We're both in school. We're young. We're married. No, there's no money. She's like, no, no, listen, listen, you could buy a house that has a basement apartment in it. And then you could rent out the basement apartment. And then you would be living for actually cheaper than what you're renting out this garage apartment for. And I was like, really? Is that really how it works? And she said, yeah, for sure. So that's exactly what we did. We purchased a property and we rented out the basement um, and we lived there for $150 a month. We paid less than what we paid in this garage apartment and the house had a pool in the backyard. Like, how cool is that? (laughs) So we got started um, and that's when I started really thinking, okay, there's something to this real estate thing. I need to figure it out and I need to acquire more properties. I knew it was a really great way to build wealth. And, uh, and so we started acquiring properties, but again, young, no money, uh, didn't know anybody and we weren't really good at networking. Um, and so we were like, well, let's just buy a fixer upper. Let's just try that. We'll buy a fixer upper. We'll move in and we'll just fix it ourselves. Cause we don't have any money to pay anybody. So that's what we did. Real well, quick, this is the, like, when we talk about the time or you either have time or you have money, you had time, but no exactly. money, but you just had sweat equity and you decided to do it yourself. So that's, yep. that's what you did. That's awesome. Yep. And when you live in it, you know, like, it's just always there. You just work on it and it's not the most comfortable way to invest <laughs> in properties, <laughs> uh, but it works. It definitely works. And oh. we, we actually got really good at it. We call it's called the live in flip method where you buy a property, a fixer upper, you move in, you fix it, and then you move out and you keep it and rent it or sometimes sell it for a profit. Depends on, you know, your strategy at the time. And, uh, we got good at this and we did it many, many, many times. Um, in fact, we did it eight, at least eight times. And we would move every two years to get another property, to acquire another property. 
So we built up this portfolio with live-in flips. And then we also did a couple of other flips. We got a little adventurous and did some flips ourselves and did some small multis. And within there, launched my own property management company. But Bronson, I was the classic DIYer, like literally everything myself. I mowed the lawns. I took the tenant calls, we fixed the toilets. We went and renovated. We turned the units. Uh, we did everything ourselves and we dragged our five kids along with us. So five could, kids. Yeah. And your full-time jobs and your five kids. So anybody who's listening or watching <laughs> saying, I don't have time. No, doesn't want to hear it. Right. And well, there's other things you're a triathlon triathlete as well. And so just an overachiever, I guess, huh? <laughs> <laughs> something, something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was a, I mean, it was a lot. And after, you know, 15 years of, of investing in this way, I got to the point where I was just, I was just tired, frankly, you know, I, I just hit this, 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 um, ceiling where I was tired and we didn't have very much money and we, you know, all of our money was tied up in our, in the properties. And, and we were just kind of like scratching our heads that what's next, how do we even go anywhere from where we are? Cause we, we had about 15 units at the time and just didn't know how to scale. Um, and, and, uh, as we we're looking around and trying to find things, I always had on my vision board that I wanted to buy an apartment complex. And I thought that would be awesome if I could buy an apartment complex, then we would be set for life. Right. Uh, and then I looked at how much apartment complexes cost and realized that they were millions of dollars and we did not have millions of dollars. To purchase. <laughs> remember, remember the five kids? Yeah. Our money yeah. was headed out the window pretty fast <laughs> with five kids. Um, and so then I real as I started educating and learning more about how to buy an apartment complex is I really kind of, my mind wouldn't let it go. I'm like, no, nope, we're buying this. We're going to figure out how to buy an apartment complex. I realized that you don't buy them on your own, or at least most people don't, right? Most people right. are just normal people like me and you, and we get together in a big group of people and we buy it as a group. And then we all share in the profits, you know? And I was like, wow, this is fascinating. You mean I can purchase apartment complex with other people, right? And own a piece of it. And okay, no, I don't own the whole thing, but I do own a piece. And the crazy thing, Bronson, was that I could do that as a passive investor. I Meaning, I could just put my money in, but I didn't have to go find the property. I didn't have to like schmooze with brokers. I didn't have to you know, talk to lenders or even get the debt in my name. I could just simply invest my money and the returns that I, that I got back. And this is the embarrassing part were better than most of the returns I got on some of my single families, like all that yeah. work. Right. Yeah, I, want, I want to pause you there for one sec. Cause yeah, I, this is something a lot of people, and I had a hard time understanding when I was a single family guy, cause I had a small single family portfolio and I, I had this goal to get, you know, 30 houses in Cleveland and get, you know, passive income. And I have a cousin who's a multifamily guy. I said, why don't you do multifamily? I said, I don't have the money. He said, well, you can raise the money or you can just invest passively. And people don't realize that, you know, when you own a house, and I have a, a good friend who owns a house in California. Uh, it's paid for completely, like paid for outright. And I told him, I said, you know, your cash on cash return on this is like, you know, three or 4%. It's really, really low. And so, you know, you're not even using the equity that's there, but a lot of times people don't realize you can get pretty solid double digit returns doing large multifamily. And so whether someone is, you know, if, if you're watching or listening, you're like, well, I want to invest. I think the better problem, if you have more money than you have time, then you can invest passively. If you have more time 
then you have money, then you can basically help to be a part of syndications. And I think it really works well because there's an alignment of interests between those two parties. So the, the group that manages or the individual manager gets compensated based on the performance of the property, which would, be, would make a lot of sense if that's the way Wall Street worked, but it doesn't unless you're a hedge fund or something. So it's really amazing how it's set up. So, so you discovered this. There was an aha moment where you said, wow, this is out there. I can do this. And tell us about like the first experience you had investing passively. Yeah. So we, so we decided to sell uh, the rest of our properties and put that, roll that money into the passive investing in, into large multifamily. So there's a couple, there were a couple of things that, um, that were hard for me in, in investing in becoming a passive investor. One was control because remember I'd been the complete DIYer, right? Everything myself. And I controlled every piece of the process. And as a mom of five, I'm a controlling person. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, it was, it was hard for me to kind of give up control. So on one hand, it was hard because I was thinking, well, do these guys really know what they're doing? They, the people who are running it, the real estate professionals who are running the project, do they really know what they're doing? Did they do their numbers right? Did they, you know, did they do their projections right? And is this a good place to invest? But then on the other hand, I was like, yeah, Camilla, okay, you're you're worried about the control, giving up control, but you're so burned out that <laughs> you don't want the control anymore, right? Like you don't yeah. want to have to be uh, involved in the day-to-day management of the real estate project. Um, and so it came down to a couple of things. And one was really... Um, getting to know the operators or sponsors or real estate professionals, whatever you want to call them, the basically the people who are running the project, um, were did they have a good track record? And I, you know, I kind of went through a vetting process of my own where I wanted to understand who they were, what what was their background, um, what were they doing before real estate, and and how did that you know transfer over into being able to be successful in real estate. Have they already done deals? Have they, you know, what's been their performance on the other deals that they've done? And did there, were there people that would recommend them like as, as, as someone to invest with? So I went through that process. I also went through a process of evaluating the market because I was, I wanted to make sure that I would be investing in a good market. Um, because real estate can be pretty forgiving, even if you make a couple of mistakes here and there, if you're invested in a really great market, because the, the market will just have that tailwind to just really push the, the real estate along. So even if you don't make, make do everything perfect, and we all know that a real estate deal will have a challenge, right? We'll have challenges that there's been no real estate deal I've ever done has been perfect. Mm. <laughs> Some have been better than others, but um, there's always challenges. But in a good market, you're going to, it's more forgiving and you're going to be able to uh, be successful in a good market. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I want to step back to something you said about control. And I think, um, you know, for a lot of successful people, we've been successful because we've been able to maintain control. Um, You know, maybe a physician is successful because they control the the care of their patients or somebody who runs their own business. They've been able to be successful because they've been able to monitor every single level of it. And being the person who's actually making those decisions is kind of like what, what can make you successful in a corporate career or in a business. And so it, it's, it's like a totally different, almost side of the brain that you're like coming from. It's like, okay, well, hold on. I I just invest. And, and like you said, there's this betting process, but I almost feel like it's, you know, I've had over 1200 calls one-on-one with individual high net worth investors. And it's like, this light bulb goes on at some point. It's almost like a muscle you didn't know you had that it's like, 
once you actually get some experience in it, and maybe somebody's got a net worth of two million or five million or whatever it is, and they put fifty thousand into a deal or a hundred thousand into a deal, then like they start getting the cash flow distributions, they start seeing how it works, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, this this actually could work, and it becomes this whole new option where it's like, you know, fifteen percent, you know, returns in general. That's that's not unreasonable. And and versus looking at stocks or other options, it's just it's kind of this aha moment that goes on. And then it's like, I don't have to manage this. And I don't have to, like, like, it's kind of like people just, I get people, see people get really excited about it. That's why I get so excited about it. That's why this is the mailbox money show is because, you know, that's what we're kind of helping people to discover. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, a little bit more of your journey and maybe what you've seen and maybe some uh, guidance for people that are starting out. Obviously, you don't just want to invest with the first person maybe that you meet who does uh, some sort of syndicated multifamily deal, but what are things that like that you talked about that vetting process, what are things that you like to, uh, you know, kind of walk through or you give advice to kind of somebody who's new to this? Yeah. So someone who's new to passive investing, I really encourage them to get as much education as you, as you can on, on, you know, what, what the numbers mean. I think when I first jumped into it, I wasn't fully educated. I've been a real estate investor for a long time, but they use different metrics and different, different numbers and different projections. Like I didn't know what an equity multiple was because I never used equity multiple when I was evaluating just a single family deal. That wasn't a number that I had projected or knew anything about. And I think it's actually a very powerful um, number to use when you're looking at a passive investment it basically just tells you how much, how much your money will grow over the course of the investment. Right. Um, and so learning those, those terms and those metrics and, and the, um, what those percentages will be and what that means to you is important as a, as a passive investor, um, because the more educated you are, the better decisions you're going to, you're going to make. Um, but the number one thing is not the numbers. Actually, the number one thing is the people managing, managing the deal. Um, and I think, you know, passive investors, they, they'll ask me, well, how do I find, how do I find people running these deals? Well, and it's not, you know, it's not as simple as just jumping on Google and, and, you know, looking for someone on Google. I mean, you can, but, uh, how you, how are you going to trust that person, you know, some random person off of Google. Um, so the most, the, the easiest way to do it is to get out of your comfort zone a little bit and start attending some networking events. Um, and I know for, so, so I'm fairly introverted and it took me a long time to feel comfortable at networking events. Um, but even if you're an introvert, it's good to get out and to, and get to know who the people are because you establish a better relationship with them. So I would never invest with someone you didn't know that you had not talked to one-on-one, uh, that you had not had a couple of conversations with that you had not been following for a couple of months, at least, right. Don't, don't invest just because they, they on paper have this amazing deal that says it's going to triple your money in two years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to get to know the, the people. And so with the, with the networking, you can ask, um, ask other investors, ask, find other passive investors and you'll find them at these events and be like, Hey, have you ever invested with Bronson? Is he any good? You know, right. And, and you can talk to these, the other passive investors and get their experiences with, with the teams. Um, so you can really get to know them. So I think that's, that's number one, because a team can make or break a, a real estate deal. And, um, and like I said before, there's always challenges that happen with, uh, with it. And so one of my favorite questions to ask a sponsorship team or, you know, sponsor is tell me about the challenges that you've had in real estate. Mm-hmm. And if any of them say, oh, I never had a challenge. You need to run, run fast. <laughs> yeah. You know, Cause they're, they're lying. 
Yeah, no, there's, there's two reasons why people say, oh, everything's always been fine. They're lying or they just have no experience. And so they may not be lying, but yeah. they're also their first deal and they're smiling. Yeah, everything's perfect in this. So as you know, if you ever, and actually people watching this, if you've been active in any deal, you know, nothing ever goes as planned, right? There's something, the plumbing comes up, there's something that, you know, the estimate is higher than you thought it was, or you start pulling, you know, something off and then you realize, oh, I've got to redo the floor now or whatever, like mm -hmm. stuff happens. So that stuff happens too. And that's why you account for that in, in these deals when you, when you look at them. But I think you, you mentioned something that I think is a real nugget and I wanted to highlight it is that um, when you go to networking events, and if you're more introverted, that's okay. I mean, I, I lead a meetup in Southern California. There's meetups typically in most major cities. There's also national meetups. And you and I, mm -hmm. I think I didn't get to meet you, but I saw you speak at a meetup um, in Dallas uh, earlier this year. And it's just a great way to meet other people that syndicate uh, also as well as passive investors. Now, a syndicator, even though we're syndicators, uh, you know, a syndicator, they will be, they sometimes will try to, they have something to sell, right? But a passive investor has nothing to sell you. They're not trying to sell. They're just, hopefully they're just trying to help and saying, Hey, this is my experience. I had a bad experience with this group. I had a great experience over here. And those are really, really valuable. It's like getting a referral from somebody in the same interest or even like a close friend. So when you get to know other passive investors that have had success, it is very, very powerful. So I love that you shared that. Uh, so what about you? Tell us a few maybe mistakes or things, learning experiences that you made along the way as a passive investor. Mm, okay. So mistakes along the way. So in the, in the beginning, uh, one of my mistakes was not fully understanding what the business plan was. Uh, so there, you know, you know, every time that someone that, that a purchase is made, there's, there should be, there should be a business plan about how they're going to either add value to it by, you know, increasing the income or reducing the expenses. That's, that's a classic called value add type deal. And I think one of my mistakes was not really understanding the, the business plan because, um, when I invested in this, it was 107 units in Arizona and, um, the business plan said, oh, we're going to renovate the units. Right. And that's all I thought about. Oh, renovate the units. Okay, cool. Well, what I didn't realize is I didn't dig deeper into the business plan because I didn't realize that they were going to take it down to like 20% occupancy to wow. renovate the units. Right. Oh, wow. Which meant as a passive investor that there, there was going to be hardly any cash flow coming for the first year or so. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I thought my, you know, initial thought going into this was, Oh, I'm going to get all this cash flow. That'd be great. And I'll, I'll live off of it. But because this business specific business plan took it down to so, so low occupancy, there was no cash flow, And so it was just something to factor in, right? Because, but I mean, after year two, once it gets fully renovated and occupied, that cash flow is going to be huge. It's going to be a lot of cash flow coming in. And so it's just a, a, another factor that you need to factor in as a passive investor. Cause if you're looking to replace your income or your know, partial income or something and live off of the money that you're doing as a passive investor, just know that the first couple of years, the, the cash flow is likely not going to be super high depending on what the business plan is. Yeah, no, it, it's interesting. Um, you kind of bring up the point of, of, or the thought, the topic of expectations. And this is something that um, I think I've realized when there's an issue that, you know, I've invested in a deal passively, or we've had, you know, of the 1400 units, we've had deals that we've done where, you know, maybe an investor has a different set of expectations um, that, oh, you know, I'm going to close on this. And then month one, we're going to have distributions and it's just going to be, you know, right enough into the sunset with passive income. Usually, you know, it doesn't quite work out that way. Usually either as a passive or 
as a, even as an operator. So um, some of that, you know, I think anybody who is active, it's just important to make sure you set expectations really well. I've seen this before. People say, oh, you know, this is like, it's just, it's, it's easy both as a passive investor to kind of gloss over, like, oh, this is the plan. This is what it is. And then also even as an operator, but I think just making sure that you understand what that business plan is. And also if you are someone who's operating, just making sure that your investors understand what that process is and that you communicate mm-hmm. that you're consistent with that. And you set kind of low expectations. What we do, you know, commonly is like, well, you know, we generally start distributions at six to 12 months. It does depend on the, the performance of the property. And, you know, sometimes it's three months, sometimes it's over, it takes longer than a year. So it's just, you, know, you kind of set expectations that this is kind of what happens. But a lot of times, um, you know, there's, those are big documents. These are hundred page documents sometimes that have all the PPMs mm-hmm. there, even the presentations sometimes are 30, 40 pages. And so it takes time um, to, to really get in and, and look at it. So, um, you know, I want, I'm really curious too about your, um, uh, your biography a little bit as well. So you've got five kids, you've done, you know, you are professionally, what's your background professionally? Um, HR. For HR. So companies. HR, you're a triathlete, you do all this stuff. How have you find time to do, and now you have basically an active real estate business, right? As well, mm-hmm. you have your passive and yes. you're active. So how did, how do you find, find time to do all this while having five kids? And like, I mean, what would you say to someone who says, Hey, I'm too busy? Uh, I magically have more hours in my day than other people. (laughs) No, I don't. You you don't sleep at all, right? (laughs) I I never sleep though. Actually, I need a lot of sleep. I I get super grumpy at nighttime. (laughs) Um, No, it's just a matter of prioritizing. I think when you have a lot on your plate, you get really good at prioritizing and focusing on what really matters um, instead of kind of, you know, I think we all have time wasters in our, in our lives that things that suck our time that aren't, aren't necessarily, um, good. I mean, they might be good, but they're not important. And so it's just a matter of figuring out in your life, what are the, the most important things? What are the things I must do every day to move forward? And I think for me, you know, in the investing, I had, I had those, um, I knew I needed to learn something new every day. Right. And so that's one of my number, number ones was, was learn something new every day. Number two was get to know somebody new every day. Mm-hmm. And so with those two things in, in the investing world, if you can put implement those in your life, you will go far for sure. Um, Cause either people or, or education will open doors for you. Um, and so, and then also, you know, with family in regards to family, we involve our children in everything that we do, right? Mm. They're not, it's not that mom does this investing thing and the kids don't know about it and they have no clue what's going on. No, we have, we have very um, conversations. We hire our children to do work for us in, in the business, you know, our last live and flip, the kids did a ton of the work. They all can tile and sheetrock and, you know, like lay flooring, okay. cabinetry, you name it, they can do it. And, um, and then we pay them for that. And then we use that money and we invest as a family into another investment. And so they are active investors and they're also earning their own passive income into when in other investments. And so it's, uh, it's, everybody's involved. It's not a, it's not a, this or that type thing. Yeah, that's great. I love that you're involving your family in it. And I think it's uh it's really a good thing too. If you have a family mindset, a lot of people kind of don't do real estate or they don't get as involved as if they'd like to even passively, because maybe their spouse 
isn't as much behind it. I think there's ways, there's things that you can do to educate your spouse or try to bring your spouse or your kids and get them involved. But I love that your whole family's really involved in it. And you mentioned something really critical, I think, to every, uh, whether you're active or passive, uh, we, we call it, you know, networking and education. You learn something and you meet someone, right? Like it's, you never know who you meet when you go to a meetup. And yeah, you're tired on a weekday, you've worked, it's been a busy week, it's a Thursday night, but you get out there and you meet somebody and you learn something. And it's, it's really, yeah. really valuable. And that's, I think those are the two things that really, for me, have gotten me to the next level. And, and you know, I mean, they say how you treat your network is how you develop your net worth. And it's really true. So you develop that as you, as you kind of go about that. So, um, so I guess one I'd ask you, um, we're kind of wrapping up here. What, what are you working on now? What are some things I see shady stream there? What are you, what are you working on with that? Shady, sorry, shady, steady stream. I'm sorry. <laughs> steady stream investments. Yeah. So, I mean, I was, I was so excited about passive investing when, once I found it, right. It took me 15 years to figure out there was a better way. Um, I, I was just so excited about it that I was like, I, I knew that there were thousands of people just like me who have been in the landlord's log for so long, the DIY mentality, and they needed to learn about this, this better way to invest. Um, and so I launched SteadyStream Investments as essentially as an education company to educate more passive investors on how to get involved with it. And then I also will go out and help vet opportunities and vet sponsors and vet markets for, for passive investors. And so, um, so I'm always working on a, a, no, a new deal um, and I'll, I'll join as a general partner on the team and help with the asset management on the, on the back end. Um, so working on several, several multifamily deals, um, in the Arizona market and Oklahoma markets, those are my two favorite markets right now. Um, although I live in the Dallas area, but I've only lived here for about a year. So I'm just getting to know this market. So next year, hopefully to, you know, get some Dallas assets also. And then the other thing I'm doing is, uh, um, actually working on an assisted living new construction, which is a really fun, interesting project to, to be involved in that's here in the Dallas area. That's awesome. I think as an investor, uh, you know, passively, actively, just when, you, when you're learning new things, you're discovering new asset classes. I mean, real estate is, you know, I, I like real estate because of what it does for me, right? And I like multifamily because of the tax benefits and the returns and other things. But there are other types of real estate, even other types of things outside of real estate. I think that's why the educational piece is so important. And even the people you meet, and you're like, oh, how do I do that? And then they tell you, and it's really, that's educational too. So, um, well, Camille, I wanted, wanted to just... Uh, celebrate you and just appreciate all the ways you've added to the conversation of just really becoming a, you know, passive investor. I think passive investing has become something more people are becoming familiar with. And I think, you know, owning a house and running it yourself is not a passive investment. And I tell people that, and it's like, that's not passive investing, but people think about this as real estate. I'm going to buy a house, I'm going to flip houses. And it's great. It's, it's definitely active more than it is passive, but when you can actually become passive and you see all the benefits and you've done that very successfully for a long period of time. So I wanted to really thank you for sharing your experience with our group today, but uh, how can people reach out to you if they want to learn more? Uh, you can just go to my website, camillajeffs.com and uh, I'd be happy to connect with anyone or connect with me on LinkedIn, Facebook. I'm easy to find with my name. That's awesome. We'll put a, we'll put a link below as well, or in the show notes, so you can check that out. But uh, Camilla, thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate you and look forward to connecting with you soon. Thanks Bronson. 
So this topic is near and dear to my heart. Um, you know, I thought in order to become wealthy, like a lot of people do, you've got to go out and buy a bunch of houses or you've got to do all this stuff yourself. And maybe someday if you get a bunch of houses, you can graduate to multifamily investing. But Camilla shows as well that you don't need to do that. Uh, you can basically start passively investing. There's a lot of groups that, you know, for 50 to 100,000, people get into a deal and kind of watch and see how it goes. And in general, you know, it tends to work out okay. Um, obviously, there's risk to every investment. You want to do your own diligence. We're not, you know, uh, saying you shouldn't or they're, you know, giving you any specific advice. But uh, in general, really going after passive investing uh, is phenomenal because what happens is you regain control of your time. You know, a lot of people that I know, and you may say this as well, that I just can't see owning another house or another duplex or another five or 10 unit. It's because you're not passive, even though you're not the one who's actually operating the property yet maybe you have a property manager they're still looking to you saying hey what do i do do we replace this do we move the tenant out what, what they're asking you for day-to-day -day stuff that's not passive passive is literally you invest you vet on the front end and then you just you just get the checks and so that's why this is the mailbox money show so if there's any episode that really um, i think really defines you know what we're doing here and what we're trying to teach people and try to teach you to do is to really passively invest. It's this episode. So please share it. Love to hear any feedback that you have. We'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode. You've been listening to the Mailbox Money Podcast. For more free resources, articles, and videos, go to bronsonequity.com. There you can download your copy of the special report, The Single Best Investment Strategy During and After a Pandemic. None of the information shared here is an offer to buy a specific investment, and this is for educational purposes only. Consult your financial, legal, and tax professionals and use your own common sense before making any investment decisions. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to tune in next time for more Mailbox Money.